So Timothy was in Ephesus all alone. His challenge was to lead the churches of the city. And the Apostle Paul took Timothy under, under his wing. And this is finally the Apostle Paul letting Timothy go and do his own thing. So Paul addresses Timothy with a very unusual title, calling him O Man of God. Now, throughout the Bible, O Man of God is a title that's only given to prophets in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Timothy is the only person who is called an O Man of God. This is a remarkable word because if you look at the true definition of a man of God in Micah 6.8, it says, He has showed you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So, picking apart the word man of God, we have the word man and we have the word God. Two very different things. Men are weak, we fail, we're imperfect. God is majestic, he is perfect. So a man of God is to be seeking and growing in those ways and those things that God is. We can never be perfect, but we can always strive to be better than we were yesterday. Now, what does a true man of God do in our world today? A man of God, which brings me to my first point, a man of God does everything opposite of what the world does because he knows these things displease God. So a man of God goes against the grain of society. And as you can see, our society is not headed in a good direction. We're getting closer and closer to the things of the word that tell us that the end times are near. And with all the sin and all the temptation and the spiritual battles going on, we have to make sure that we're stepping out and becoming living testimonies of what God has done for the entire world. So a true man of God considers those who are disadvantaged are those or those that are rejected by society. So the lost those people who may be sitting in the back corner by themselves alone. You gotta invite them in because the love that you have, that you've received from God, could impact and affect their lives. You never know the words that God wants to put, for you to put into someone if you don't even reach out to them. Men of God also are listeners of other people's problems and they do not judge others. They're willing to give godly advice, but in love, not to condemn. Now, going back to the scripture, Paul commands Timothy to do three main things. To start, he tells him to flee all these things. Now, people, you know, when you're trying to run away from a fight and flee, they call you weak. But sometimes, which brings me to my next point, sometimes knowing when to flee a situation rather than taking it head on can be more effective. Now, I'm a teenager, but I do understand that there's a spiritual battle going on all around us. It's a battle between flesh and spirit. And our flesh is weak. If we put ourselves in situations where temptation can lead to sin, we're being unwise. So in a situation, for example, I'll give you a, a real life example. My graduation was yesterday. I'm officially a high school graduate. <laughs> Thank you. And um, you know, with graduation, not only comes you know, congratulations and stuff, but graduation parties. So I got invited to many parties leading up to the day of, but knowing the types of things that go on, I threw my own party because I knew I wasn't gonna act carnal or sinful or worldly. And I was able to bring people who aren't necessarily Christians who are the lost into an environment where they were safe, where Christian music was being played, but we still all had a good time. 
So instead of me going out and deciding to go to this party where I could potentially have done something sinful or done something worldly, I bettered the situation by allowing an environment where the world can come to Christ. Now in the scriptures, we are told to flee many things. In 1 Corinthians 6, chapter 18, it says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. So this is just one example of a sin that the Bible tells us to flee from. Now, when Paul is talking to Timothy, he's not necessarily telling him to flee from sin and temptation. It's not wholly wrong, but what he's telling Timothy is to flee from the things that would make him a false teacher. So, there's some characteristics of a false teacher that Paul was telling Timothy to avoid. One of them is pride. Timothy should never communicate the word that he has within himself in a prideful way. He should never be boastful about the position he's in, since he's the only um, leader of the city of Ephesus by himself he should be able to communicate in love and communicate to help people understand. It's not about him being better than everyone else. He should never try to be condescending. In our own society today, there are a lot of preachers who, because of their position, act superficial or act like they have a sense of entitlement. But they're a person just like you. And God has put something in them that they have to communicate, and they're not communicating it in an effective way. God can put something in you just like he put something in me today, and you guys can communicate. And the world needs to hear what you have in your heart. So, Timothy should also flee from communicating something that will ruffle feathers in the church. Now, I'm not talking about not preaching a word that causes Holy Spirit conviction. Conviction is a positive thing in every form because it comes from the Holy Spirit. Conviction leads to repentance. And repentance is a part of a person's transformation from being lost to being a child of God. So conviction is totally positive. What I'm talking about, for example, if I confided in Bishop about a sin that I had that I was dealing with, and I told him that I wanted to be between us, and that I wanted him to pray for me, which is good because we're supposed to keep each other accountable in the body of Christ, and then Bishop on a Sunday decided to preach about my issue and threw my name around multiple times, <laughs> I wouldn't feel really happy about that. And I may go behind Bishop's back and talk trash about him, and once the others realize what was going on, it'll create division in the church. And the church is a unified body, and we shouldn't ever split up from that because the Christian faith isn't something that's meant to be done alone. So that just clears it up. I'm not talking about the conviction. I'm talking about, you know, division. And then the last thing is he should never be concerned with gaining wealth or popularity from his position. Now... I know this is a touchy subject for some churches, but in our nation today, a lot of churches like to focus on the offering basket. They say things like, if you want to see change in your life, give a little change. Or, <laughs> or they have three offerings in, a, in an hour service. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but there's churches out there, and this is just the truth that I'm trying to present to you. So... Timothy should never be concerned with trying to gain money from the multitudes. And he shouldn't actually be preaching a prosperity gospel either. That's another part of the wealth. People feel like when they come to Christ that their life would be easier. 
that God is going to take all the problems away, that they'll never have to lift a finger in their life because God is going to give it all to them. God already gave it all to us, but it requires a little bit of work, and it requires a lot of a hard fight, and there's going to be a lot of trials and tribulations, but with faith, we'll get through those things. Now, going on to my next point, Paul tells Timothy to pursue the pursuit of the qualities that a man of God possesses is necessary to successfully fight the good fight. So, Paul lists six things which divide into two groups. The first three are relating between, to your relationship with Christ, and the last three are relating to my relationship with another man or a woman. So, Paul says, follow after righteousness, godliness, and faith. Righteous behavior, like... Paul is not trying to communicate that we should live a righteous life. It's not wholly wrong to do so because we are called to righteousness. But he's communicating that we should have righteousness as a belief. It is the word of the gospel. In 1 John 2, 29, it says, If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. So when Jesus Christ died for our sins and sacrificed on the cross, we were all born again. Our sins, they were put down. He sacrificed for those things so we could be forgiven. The second that that happened, we were no longer guilty. We were no longer tied to evil. We're no longer filled with weakness. But we're made, well, we're made righteous by God. So it's not necessarily the righteous behavior. It's the belief that God has made us righteous. Now, the next thing that Paul talks about is godliness. Godliness means balanced wholeness of mind, body, and spirit. Now, you know, we got those gym rats and muscle heads out there who go to the gym every day and who, you know, work out, eat, drink protein shakes, eat good meals, have a great diet. But the thing is, we can do all that stuff, but where's your spiritual health at? Where's your emotional health at? You can be the biggest, strongest dude out there, but if you try to go out there into the world with no knowledge or no spiritual health, you're going to get tore up. So I'm not saying it's wrong to work out. That's not what I'm saying. But work out your mind, your body, and your spirit. Don't spend all your money and time buying weights and protein shakes and such without making sure that you're spending time in God's word. Now, another imperative to becoming, becoming a godly man or woman is you need a renewed mind that views life the way God sees it. Because that's the way that life really is. Before we came to Christ, we had the scales over our eyes. And he removed the scales and opened our eyes. And we saw the world a whole different way. Now, going to the emotional control, God is going to put you through a lot of things. But being able to pray and understand that God is your strength, that you have him to lean on, should keep your emotions under control. In the Bible, it says, be angry and sin not. And anger is a sin that, believe it or not, I deal with on a regular basis. Um, it, it's something I struggle with because I have pride, and pride gives me a sense of entitlement that I feel like if someone's trying to phase me, they're wrong. But I should realize that I need to keep cool and keep my emotions down because love is an important thing in the Christian faith, and if someone's messing with me, I need to handle that in love rather than in anger. Now, the next thing he talks about is faithfulness which is loyalty to God, and an awareness that you've already committed your life to him. When you gave your life to Christ, 
you've repented and you're trusting in him. You have to have full faith that he's going to take care of your life. Now, I know there's a lot of times where we go through some things in doubt. I can attest to that. I'm pretty sure a bunch of you can. There's situations that we don't think we can get through. But having the faith that God's going to be there to protect us and to keep us guarded from the spirits that are coming at us during those times um, is imperative. When you became a Christian, you decided to follow God, to obey his word, and to walk in his way. So all the things of the scriptures instantly become your standard of life. When you gave your life to Christ, you sold out for him. You're giving yourself, you're giving your desires, you're giving up your passions for him. Whatever God commands you to do, that's what you need to do because you love him and you have faith in him and you trust him. So think about that in your own, on your own walk. Are you continually seeking the things that God has commanded for you to do in the word? Are you loving others? Are you being patient? Are you being kind? Are you going out into the world and preaching the gospel? Your relationship with Christ is the basic commitment for the rest of your life. You never intend to change that. God is going to keep you as long as you invest time in him. You've become a steady, dependable, and exciting person. And there's nothing more exciting than a living God. Now, we're moving on to love. Paul says to love. In Romans 13, 8, it says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. You have to ask yourself this question. Am I acting in love? Is my tone of voice loving, or is it sharp? Is it filled with anger and hostility? Throughout our lives, we're obviously going to have to deal with other people. And some, some of those people will not be saved. And sometimes you're going to get into a situation where you have to pause for a second, throw your pride aside, and communicate with that person in love, no matter how hard it is. Now, I'm going to give you a real-life example. This happened in my junior year of high school. So, I was in my choir class. Um, I'm in choir. And um, we're practicing some music. And a young man decided to pour water down the back of my pants. So, with soaked pants, I turned around, very upset. And I was about to crush this man's skull. But... My brother was in the room at the time. <laughs> Praise God for him. So, I didn't turn around and do anything. Instead, I left the room. And I was thinking for a second. I instantly left the room and I wanted to cry because I knew that God had just protected me from that situation. So the young man who put the water down my pants decides to come out and follow me. That was a bad choice. <laughs> So he's walking out, and I'm like, dude, you, you've got some guts to come walk up to me after what you just did. And he's like, you know, man, I just want to apologize. Now think about if I would have went full on through fists at this dude. <laughs> I don't think there would have been any apology. But because I was able to hold back my anger because of my love for my brother, I wanted to lead a good example for him. And because of that, I didn't, you know, I didn't go full on. I didn't fight. If I would have fought, I wouldn't have got the apology that he gave me. And we ended up being on good terms because of that. But that is an example of me throwing my pride aside and dealing with the situation in a loving way. Now, your love can also be used as a sign that God is 
legitimately touched your life. We are living testimonies of God's grace and mercy on us. And throughout everyone we come encounter with, they should be able to tell just by your behavior, just by the way you conduct yourself, that you're different from everyone else. Now, what is that difference? The difference is that God has come into your life and he's rocked your world and he's changed your mindset. The love that we, we put on others, the love that we give others is a telltale sign that we are children of God. And that's the beauty, I think, of our connect groups because we do community service to love others, to introduce others to what a true Christian is like, to show others that we are kind, that we're gentle, that we're loving, that we want to help them, that we want to give them what they need, and then introduce them to what they really need, which is a life in Jesus Christ. In the scripture, Paul mentions steadfastness. Now, this can be difficult for some. Steadfastness means endurance, hanging in there, refusing to give up. Throughout our Christian walk, Jesus is going to put us through some things. We're going to be put through a lot of trials and tribulations. Um, one example in my own life, in my sophomore year of football, which was a really big part of my life, um, I tore my ACL the last game of the season. And um, that rocked my world because I was doing so well in sports and I felt like that I had a future in that. I was up and coming as a player and as an athlete and as a talent. I tore my ACL, and I was crushed because I thought my football career was, was over. So, you know, I was just down in the dumps for the first few weeks that I found out. But then I was like, you know what? This is a good opportunity for me to reinforce other things that the time football took away. So I started to actually read my word and pray more because I felt that I needed to depend on God. After going through all this stuff and leaning on God for so much strength that I needed, I realized I should be acting in that way all the time and not acting, truly meaning it. So, you know, I'm going through all this physical therapy and continuing to work to improve to become a better athlete, but yet God is working inside of me, making me realize that's not what it's all about. So I started getting into different other hobbies, and each one God was showing me that I could get closer to him or I could use that hobby to glorify him. So not once did I ever give up on wanting to come back to the sport, but through me trying to hang in there and not lose faith, it deepened my relationship with Christ. I didn't give up on him. I didn't say, God, why would you do this to me? God, why me? Oh, woe is me. I didn't cry in the corner. I decided that, you know what? I need to get a deeper relationship with Christ because he's doing this to show me something. And I realized that, and look where I'm at now. I'm walking. I, I got to play my senior year of football. We got, had the best record in school history. So God is good. Now, the last thing that Paul says is gentleness. And a lot of people consider this to be the least important of all of the qualities. But in my opinion, it's the most important because this gentleness can be applied to many situations. It can be applied to teaching. Like now, I'm not trying to come off hard. I'm not trying to convict you. Like, I am trying to, but not really. But yes, I am. <laughs> but... I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but I'm still delivering the truth in a way that you guys are understanding and applying to your lives. You have to think, in, in your life, are there areas you could be more gentle to someone? Are there areas where you can approach someone in a way that's more respectful? Now, the third thing that Paul brings up is fight. 
in Ephesians 6.11, it says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil and stand in the evil day. Now that armor is Jesus Christ and his strength, his wisdom, his love, and his gentleness, and his peace that is represented in your life. He's in charge of what's happening to you, and you rest on that fact. That is the way you fight the good fight. Fighting the good fight is a call to action. We can't be lazy soldiers, but before we can even get out there and be communicating, we have to have an understanding that Jesus Christ is what's gonna give us that ability. Jesus Christ's peace, his love on our lives is what's gonna affect us to even want to go out and communicate. We can go out and I can just say, hey, let's go to the mall and preach the gospel, but if we haven't prayed about it, if we're not truly seeking Christ about what the purpose of that mission is, we're doing it in vain. We're doing it for ourselves to get attention. Understanding that it is God who is allowing you to fight the good fight. It is God who is allowing you to stay rooted in him. It is God who's allowing you to study and understand the words of the scriptures. It's all on him. And we have to realize that our, all of our faith has to go into him. We already know we're fighting a winning battle. So why would you want to be on the losing team? It doesn't make any sense. Think about the movie 300. They had 300 men in their army and they were fighting armies much bigger because they had one common goal. All 300 men had one common goal and one common dream, and they were fighting towards that thing. We have our one common goal and one common dream, and it says in the word right there, all throughout Acts, we're seeing men doing what we're supposed to be doing, yet we sit here lazy with our feet up, enjoying the worldly pleasures that are presented to us. All these things on the earth, when we die, what's gonna happen to them? All the wealth you may have, all the riches, the cars, the nice house, the entertainment, it doesn't mean anything. What does mean something is the lives you may have impacted by the gospel. We're not going out there to show off our wealth or show off the vehicles we have. We're going out there to spread truth. And the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus Christ is our savior and that we need him. Apart from him, we are nothing. He died for us so that we didn't have to go through the eternal fire of hell. But we have to accept and believe in that and trust in that. We have to reevaluate our lives, make a full 180, and realize that sin is not leading us in the right direction. That we need to repent and that we need to earnestly call on our Savior to protect us and to give us strength. The Christian walk is not easy, church. It's not easy at all. And I'm pretty sure you can attest to that. But it's a beautiful thing to know that we don't have to go through it alone. I have church brothers and sisters, but most of all, I have God guiding me and leading me the entire way. We should be continually practicing the presence of Christ. When we enter a room and people see us, it's not ourselves that we're advertising, it's Christ. We should be vessels, we should be a, a billboard, as you will, of what Christ has to offer the world. So, with all that being said, are you fighting the good fight of faith? Think about the way that you're going about your life. Are you doing things for yourself, or are you doing things to spread the gospel of truth? Are you loving others well? Are you being gentle? Are you being kind? Are you remaining faithful through all the hardships? Are you being steadfast? Are you giving up? Do we have God to lean on and be our strength? We should never worry. We should never lose motivation because God is there. We know that the reward that we have in heaven 
if we follow him and keep our lives focused on him, is greater than anything the earth has to offer us. But I'm just a drummer, so take with that what you will. <laughs>